You're listening to America's Poverty Fighting Podcast, brought to you by National Community Action Partnership. Hello, everyone. We are excited to welcome you to the first National Community Action Podcast, Building Opportunity for All. Um, I am joined today with by Catherine Clausen. Hello. Um, Catherine works at the Ohio Association for Community Action and has been helping us out here at the partnership. My name is Denise Harlow. I am the CEO of the National Partnerships Office, and we are so excited by this podcast. Um, Trying to be out there on the cusp of technology, although it's not quite the cusp anymore, but we're hoping that people will uh, subscribe to our podcast. And what are we trying out here, Catherine? A six-piece, six-part podcast to start us off? Yeah, we're starting out with six-part podcast series. We've got a variety of topics that we're going to be talking about, and and this one for the the kick off to the podcast we're going to kick off the impact report the first national impact report yay so you know this is a really exciting time you know to be in community action it's an exciting time to you know launch this podcast so thanks for for inviting me to be part of the first one Oh, we're so excited. Um, I think part of the challenge of community action, certainly, and we could talk a little bit about for folks who may not be overly familiar with community action, we are a national network of a thousand plus local community action agencies that are a robust state and local force. Um, We reach children and families in 99% of America's counties all across the country. Um, Every three years, our agencies have to do localized needs assessments and then develop um, and deploy tools and strategies that fight poverty and create opportunity in their own local communities. Um, So we're excited by this impact report that will help us do a better job of framing uh, the diverse and uh, robust, as I said, network out there uh, that really try to connect families uh, to approaches that help them succeed. And also that connects to community level change efforts that help move organizations and communities forward. Um, toward opportunity. So we're really excited by this launch. Right. You mentioned local control, local needs, then that's what makes community action special is that everyone looks a little bit different. Some may, you know, operate the same programs. I know some people are familiar with HEAP and weatherization. and, And while a lot of our agencies do that, not all of them do, they operate something a little bit different, whether it's they approach workforce in a different way or, you know, a variety of other things. So that's really what makes us special. That's one of the things that I love. Well, and we've been doing this for 55 years and 2019 is right. our 55th anniversary um, commemorating uh, the number of decades that Community Action has been working in the field in local communities. And today what gives a CAP agency its designation is the Community Services Block Grant, CSBG. It's a small pot of money that for local agencies' budgets, but it does give them their designation and it gives them our, them our identity as a CAP agency. Through that, they have to have what's called a tripartite board. One third of their board is made up of elected officials and you can be in the most democratic community and the most Republican community, but that board is made up of elected officials from all sides of the aisle because they're dedicated to fighting poverty. One third of our board are, are representatives from low-income communities. We believe that people um, who are living in low-income communities have a right and obligation to direct resources to impact change in their communities. So they are engaged as well as a third coming from the private sector. Um, CSBG directs um, certain aspects of our organization, but community action as a network served 15 million people last year. It's an amazing network with broad reach. This is an exciting time. 
Right. And, you know, you mentioned CSBG, which is the only federal funding mm -hmm. specifically aimed at poverty alleviation. And and while, you know, it is a small pot of money for some people, it also helps our agencies leverage. I believe in the impact report, I'm just double checking seven dollars and 70 cents from state, local and private resources. So, you know, our agencies are funded by a variety of different um different ways, but CSPG really is that umbrella and that anchor of sorts that helps us do all of the great things that our network is doing. That touches the lives of so many people. And right, I was just going back here to the impact report as well. In addition to the tripartite board, our network engages local folks through volunteerism all across the country, um, whether it's through food banks, whether it's through board service, whether it's through community fairs or community walks or after school engagement or volunteer income tax prep. We had over 1.2 million people donate time last year. 44 million hours was volunteered through community action agencies. It's an amazing lever for community engagement. Absolutely. Um, and I think that the total value of the $44 million was $1 billion. Yeah, that is just an amazing amount of contribution from, from individuals. And a lot of folks, when they're volunteering, they may not even know they're volunteering for a community action agency. They're volunteering to stuff those backpacks for kids to take home on Friday so they can have good food over the weekend. Um, they may be thinking about the backpack program they're volunteering for. They're not necessarily thinking that it's with a community action agency, which, you know, that's fine. We want the foot, we want community members to be engaged in their local community. What's exciting, I think right now is that we're really trying to frame that a lot of this work and a lot of this time and a lot of this investment is happening through this network of a thousand engaged, active organizations who are impacting change. So, Denise, the partnership's really doing a lot of things, you know, for all of these agencies and state associations. So, you tell us a little bit about the the training and technical assistance for those who, who may not be familiar. Well, the partnership, we really are the national hub that links the, the thousand local agencies to each other and to leaders um, who are really looking for solutions to connect Americans to greater opportunity. Uh, you're right, we do do a broad range of training and technical assistance. We do a couple of big national conferences a year. We're excited by our intensive intentional learning community resource center that really brings folks together to learn and share from subject matter experts as well as peer-to-peer -peer learning in a variety of areas um, over time. So we're excited by broad-based training. We do a lot of webinar. We do individual agency TA at times. We're out in the field with our state association colleagues, um, working with local agencies there. And then again, I'm really excited by our intensive learning and uh, technical assistance through the Learning Community Project. I think that intentionality, peer-to-peer uh, -peer sharing, um, and individual work plan development for local organizations is how you can affect make change happen at a local agency. It takes time. It takes certainly intentionality, but it, you also have to spend that time focused on that work. And it's great to provide that form for our local agencies to have that happen. And to add to all of that, we've got these podcasts now. So, you know, there's a lot of different subjects that we're going to be bringing in that are uh, really relevant to what the agencies are, are working on and facing now. We've got advocacy and communications lined up, whole family approach racial equity, asset development. So a lot of good topics in this six-part series. 
Yeah, we're, we're excited to be using this technology. So many folks, I know when I'm on a plane or in an airport or on a train, I'm plugging in my phone and listening to podcasts. And we're hoping that this is another opportunity that people can carry us with them and listen on their own time. We, we've been trying the Facebook Live stuff. We've been doing a lot of webinars over the years. We record a lot of that stuff. But how can we make um, information more timely um, and more accessible? So I think these podcasts will give us a chance to bring in a lot of peers from the network, some outside subject matter experts, and really help highlight um, the work the organizations are doing in a different way. So it's exciting to use this technology. Well, hopefully people will subscribe and listen to us periodically and, and keep abreast about what Community Action is doing uh, coast to coast. Right, and they're going to be released every week for six weeks. So I uh, hope people tune in. I hope so. And and subscribe and sh let your colleagues know at your organization. Sometimes our e-newsletters go to executive directors or only folks within the network. And this is a chance for folks um, within the organization and external to Community Action to learn more about um, our organizations, what we're doing. But even more importantly, what are some of the challenges our country is facing? How are families struggling? and what are the solutions? A lot of times we can talk about um, poverty rates and the increasing challenges and all the, the negative, but a lot of times we also want to hold up what is working. We know what works. We change lives every day in the field. And I think I said to someone late earlier, uh, we win the war on poverty every day, one family at a time somewhere in America. And we want to hold up those good things. Um, something that comes to mind certainly is asset development, which I know is a component of our impact report that we want to talk about here next. But we're here. We're in the early part of 2019. People are getting ready to file their taxes. And our volunteers who have signed up to help with voluntary income tax prep to help families make sure their taxes are done uh, free, um, that they get their entire refund that they're entitled to, and they have access to, to things like the earned income tax credit, which is really there to help make work pay. A lot of folks are struggling with low paying jobs and earned income tax credit is there to um, support work, to help reward work, to make sure families are able to bring in dollars into their household. And we just, this time of year, we're gonna be able to highlight some of those impactful strategies uh, that impact poverty and help provide opportunities to families. Absolutely, and you know we're coming up on tax time too, so there's a, a, a link on your website to find all of the agencies and, and so many of um, community actions across the country are working on tax prep and it's free. Um, so more of that money is gonna go into the pocket. So you know, before we get to that, that uh, topic here on the podcast just want to make sure that anybody who is listening can go and and find your community action agency if you guys are ready to file before before then reactionpartnership.com so we're this impact report mm -hmm. um you know tell us a little bit about how this came about I'll tell you, Catherine, and I, I know you get this question. The number one question I get in the field is, Denise, why don't people know about community action? Mm -hmm. We've been around for 55 years. We impact 15 million lives a year. Why don't they know us? And we talked earlier, I think, about some of that local control and uh, local decisions and the diversity of our network, which is our strength in serving and meeting local needs, which is the critical, most important thing. But it does sometimes challenge us from a national visibility perspective. So this impact report is in our foyer to try to navigate and capture 
this national story. We know a lot of our state association friends do a great job about talking about what's going on in their local state. We needed a report that tried to capture um, the diversity of work going on across the country. So whether it's housing, early child care, early uh, childhood education, whether it's housing, whether it's asset development, um, all sorts of things. How do we capture that? And that's really what our impact report was meant to do. And we were so happy when Mutual of America, one of our um, corporate um, supporters here at the partnership said, you know what, Denise, we'll help you in that effort. And Mutual of America has helped support um, our research and uh, the development of this report. And we're really excited to be releasing this uh, here today on in January and we hope that local agencies will use it we hope that um, elected officials find it helpful um, trying to frame up what's going on in community action that the foundation community is able to learn about the the breadth and depth of this vital network uh, that reaches coast to coast so it's in response to what the network said they needed and what we have found external audiences might find more helpful in terms of framing up who we are and the impact that we have so it, it's not perfect <laughs> by any stretch because we're, we're only human, um, but we are really excited to launch this. And I hope that local agencies, state associations, board members, volunteers, staff find that this is a reflection of at least a piece of what they do every day. Right. And for those of you who have not seen the impact report yet, it's available on the partnership's website, communityactionpartnership.com slash impact report. So if you haven't checked it out yet, I encourage everybody to do that. And Denise, I want to talk a little bit too about the committee that you pulled together to to put this first report together. Um, you know, this may be something that is continued on and thanks again to Mutual of America for help supporting this this first one. But uh, tell us a little bit about how you you pulled everyone from from to get different perspectives. Well, if there's anything I know is that we can't frame up the story of community action inside the Beltway. We can't right. be the only technical assistance provider living inside the Beltway. It is the local agencies and our state association colleagues who know what works. And so the committee, the editorial advisory committee um, is a good representation of both state associations as well as local agencies across the country, rural, urban, suburban, small agencies, large agencies. We have such a diverse network. We wanted to make sure we had the heads in the room and it was really helpful. We had thought the report was going to go one direction and we were ready to go. And this committee said, no, 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 no. Let, let's pause, <laughs> Denise. You really need to reframe this, and we really want it to look like this. So did it delay us? Sure did, but you know what? It was reflective of what this committee thought was the best thing for the network, as well as our external audiences. So it matters. We don't have the answers inside the Beltway. We need our local agencies and our state associations to keep us on task, and this committee just was fantastic really good thoughts they reviewed the content they reviewed the the text for us they changed some stuff reframed stuff for us and our staff we we used a lot of our our team here at the partnership also who come from a variety of perspectives and things really shifted um took advice took took changes and so i really hope that that the network sees that this report is reflective um, of everyone involved Right. And, you know, I think that's a, a key point to hit on is because we are all so different, even internally, um, what what one agency sees or state state sees um, is completely different and 
and another one and maybe even their neighboring state or region. So I was I was thrilled to be invited to be part of this committee and um, I'm I'm really happy with the way that it turned out and I was pleased that everybody came together and what I hadn't thought of somebody else did and putting that that together really had an impact on this national impact report. And we're really excited to help local agencies and associations have access to the graphics, the pictures, the language, the colors, all that stuff. So again, they may not, we may not be able to have everybody know who community action is, but we're moving the needle toward a level of consistency in terms of framing, in terms of some visualization. And we're hoping that this will it's not going to solve everything, but we hope it moves the needle in a positive direction. So thank you for all your help. It's, it's been a great partnership across the network. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that the topics in here are, are very relevant and uh, I think really do a good job of highlighting what our network does. Uh, you know, the impact here, 44% of Americans cannot cover a $400 unexpected expense and 26% of households don't have a bank account. And these are really important things to consider when our agencies are going through and saying, this is we need to do. This is what we can, can do. This is what our local, our local area needs us to help. One thing that I find in the impact report, I, I, children and families is so much of what our network does um, and we do believe that families, an individual can be a family of one. So, um, but we do know that if you impact children early, their long-term potential for success um, matters. Um, the return on investment of a investment of zero to three matters in the long run exponentially. And we know that 19% um, of America's kids live in poverty. We know that's um, even more dramatic when you're looking at the racial disparities in our country with 34% of African-American children, 34% of Native American children, and 28% of Latino children living in poverty. We have a lot of work to do to impact families. Um, and our network is responsive. Um, through our work in Head Start, about half of our organizations run Head Start or Early Head Start programs. Many are involved in the Early Head Start Child Care Partnership programs that are going on across the country. Um, last year, we served 3.9 million kids um, through our organizations in, in 6 million different families. So there's a lot of work to do to impact um, the health of children, and Community Action is really pre well prepared and well positioned. Um, there's a concept called toxic stress and uh, adverse childhood um, experiences and the numbers of points in time that a kid is impacted negatively um, with crisis, with um, stress, and with levels of, they reach a level of toxic stress. And what can we do to minimize those adverse childhood experiences to provide stability? And again, our whole family approach to meeting families' needs is, is vitally important. And this report tries to get at a piece of that. It, it doesn't fully succeed, but I think there's a lot of room here for us to talk more about the work we're doing with children and families. But I think this report provides a good breadth of detail as well as some of the more macro stories about the impact our network is having. So we look forward to talking more about our impact report and you'll see it online, download it, use it, and uh, email me if you have questions, dharlow at communityactionpartnership.com. We try to be responsive to those emails. So email us if you have questions. A special thank you to Mutual of America who helped sponsor our first Community Action Impact Report. Mutual of America 
is the Community Action Partnerships corporate vendor when it comes to retirement planning. The partnership has its retirement program through Mutual of America, as do many community action agencies. Contact us here at the partnership for more information about how Mutual of America can help you help your employees save for their future retirement. All right, we are back and we are pleased to be joined by Brian Duncan. Brian is the board chair of the National Community Action Partnership, and he's also the executive director of iCare Incorporated in North Carolina. Brian has been instrumental in moving our organization forward and has spearheaded our strategic plan development, our impact report um, that's going to be launched, and he has just really been leading this organization in a very positive direction. Brian, we're thrilled to have you on our initial Community Action Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. So glad to be here, be a part of this. What do you think, um, it, since this is our really our first podcast, what are you kind of hoping that the network and a broader audience out there hears about Community Action as we go through this series of um, interviews over the next uh, few weeks? Well, I'm really interested in, in, you know, the broader audience learning more about community action, learning more about our mission, our vision, our values, um, you know, the work that we do around the country and starting to help them tie that work uh, to what's going on in the country mm-hmm. with regard to, uh, to, to families with low incomes and vulnerable populations. You know, all of us in the network has really heard community action as one of the uh, the best kept secrets in fo- poverty fighting when we've been around now 55 years. This is our 55th anniversary here in 2019. What do you think we can do to really change that, you know, to be a little bit more visual and, and let people know that we're out there and we're, we're doing some really great things? Um, I think because community action is so grounded in that local space, right, we are intended to solve local issues around poverty. And that looks different in every corner of America, whether you're in Anchorage, you're in Detroit, you're in Tampa, poverty is going to look different and your cap agency is going to tackle that problem in a different way. And what our job is, is really to try to frame that vision that we believe that we need a nation that creates opportunities for everyone to thrive, build strong, resilient communities, and really ensures a more equitable society. And what can we do to help elevate that visibility of success going on in every corner of America. We win the war on poverty every day um, in America, one family at a time. And it's our job to kind of elevate a lot of those stories and the great work of the network. Brian, what would you add to that? Um, well, I, you know, I think back to the, to, to the question and, and particularly the part about us being the, uh, the best kept secret. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we hear, you know, we hear all the time, but you know, I, I firmly believe those who those who need us know us, mm-hmm. but I do believe we have an obligation to continue to educate uh, the public uh, with regard to the work that we do, just to gain that um, that critical mass of support that's necessary to ensure that we continue to exist to be able to fight this war on poverty. And so, you know, we have to be very intentional about you know sharing our message. Uh, doing things maybe differently in terms of reaching a newer audience so they can learn more about the work that we do. Right. And I, you know, I think we're really doing that with this impact report that was released today. In the introduction, both of you guys 
um, said in a joint statement, it isn't just about getting a job or keeping a job because not all jobs are created equal. You know, what do you guys mean by that? Catherine, it has to be about living wage employment with benefits, employment that will allow families to obtain asset, assets uh, to improve their standard of living, just to um, overall positively impact the lives that they are living. And so many times I think we'll hear, particularly elect, elected officials talk about, well, all uh, right. people need is a job. Mm -hmm. And that's just simply not the case um, because that implies that a part-time job that pays minimum wage will suffice. And, and that we know that that won't do it. We, we deal with this every day, that people have to earn enough money to be able to take care of their families. And, and truthfully, at the end of the day, that's really all people want to be able to do. I couldn't agree with you more, Brian, in terms of people want to work and community action is grounded in providing families that path to hope and opportunity and a job and work is what people want. Um, that, that sense of dignity and worth in terms of producing income for your family. But those jobs out there oftentimes aren't filling that, that gap. You could work full time. You're working multiple minimum wage jobs. You might have jobs that fluctuate in hours. You get 20 hours this week and 35 next week, and the next week it's eight hours. You're right. kind of at the whim of the employer, let alone benefits, whether it's health care, pay time off for sick kids. Um, it really is a limiting factor. A, a job is not a job. A, a good job with, with living wage, with, with benefits, that's what's going to help create stability for families over time. Right. And, you know, on page 16 of the report, there's a statistic on there that says the average minimum wage worker would have to work 99 hours per week to afford a modest one bedroom. So, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of hurdles out there. And uh, one of the things I love about the Community Action Network is the holistic approach. You know, it's not just jobs, it's housing, it's education, the whole family approach, medical, and uh, what's, what's needed on the local level. And that, that goes to the challenge. You're working multiple minimum wage jobs. You might have jobs that fluctuate in hours. You get 20 hours this week and 35 next week, and the next week it's eight hours. You're right. kind of at the whim of the employer, let alone benefits, whether it's health care, pay time off for sick kids. Um, it really is a limiting factor. A, a job is not a job. A, a good job with, with living wage, with, with benefits, that's what's going to help create stability for families over time. Right. And, you know, on uh, page 16 of the report, there's a statistic on there that says the average minimum wage worker would have to work 99 hours per week to afford a modest one bedroom. So, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of hurdles out there. And uh, one of the things I love about the Community Action Network is the holistic approach. You know, it's not just jobs, it's housing, it's education. You know, community action is not a one-size-fits-all approach. And, and because we you know, we, we do those local assessments um, and every community action agency does these, you know, that helps us to uh, determine what the best mix of services are for our families and helps drives the, drive the uh, positive outcomes that we are able to, to attain. Right. And, you know, I know one of the challenges when we were putting together this impact report with with others in the NERC and we had a great committee of, of people come together, um, you know, it's it's sharing those local stories and how every community is different. So we've some spotlight stories in the impact report, which I think are great. Brian, I wanted to ask you, though, you know, out of 
of the stories that were were highlighted in the report, which which really don't touch on all of the great things that are happening across the country. Is there anything that really sticks out in your mind or, or one that um, one of the featured voices in this report that you think were were great to include or, or really highlight some of the things that community action are doing? You know, honestly, um, there's not one because they're all great. And I think they're all pertinent to helping us to spread the work uh, spread the word about the, the diversity of services that we provide. And all the services are are necessary uh, so that families can can achieve. And so I think to, uh, you know, to look at it in total is the best way, I think, to to share the message. Well, and Brian, I know one of your focus um, over the last uh, two years has really been how do we engage this next generation of leaders? In addition, it's also that advocacy side of the equation. A lot of folks who came to this network over the last 55 years have done so because they believe in change. They believe in the power to, to change our community and the direction we're headed. We have a lot of younger folks coming into the network. We want to make sure they feel as excited as, and engaged in the advocacy side of our equation. What advice would you give to someone new or relatively new uh, coming into community action, how to get grounded, how to stay with it, how to get excited, how to be engaged in advocacy? What advice would you have for someone coming in? So, so uh, two things come to mind. The first would be to, to find an experienced uh, community action mentor who can listen and offer advice based on his or her experiences. The second would be to learn our history. Um, our history is so rich, and I think it would provide a, a solid foundation on which they can build, uh, develop their skills, but also to understand the underlying roots of the passion that, that we see in our network. And it's that passion that drives advocacy. And, you know, coupling that with the energy that young professionals already possess I think would make a, a a kind of a fearsome force on behalf of community action. So Brian, you and I have been in the network a similar um, amount of time in and out and around. We've been able to build a career um, in this fascinating, exciting network. We have a lot with our young professionals coming in. Sometimes it's hard to see that horizon out there. What kind of steps would you recommend to a young professional? What are the tools you'd put in their toolbox as they look to have a career in community action? I think our certification for community action professionals um, gives a great foundation um, for, on which young professionals can can build, can learn, further develop their skills. Um, certainly, Roma, Roma training, um, anything that is peer to peer uh, within the network, and the various and vast amount of training opportunities that the uh, community Action Partnership provides via webinar, um, conferences, um, and the like. You know, all of those things um, in the end will make young professionals a very well-rounded um, um, community action uh, fighter. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> I think back to when, when I was early in my career and, you know, the things that we were clamoring for. We were out in the trenches doing the work, but I don't know that we necessarily had the, 
the the framework or the guidance uh, that I think some of these certifications provide. And and Lord, I think, man, that would have been so great and so helpful for me early in my career. So I want to certainly commend the partnership for 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 having those opportunities. Yeah, I, I think about the lack of clarity I had. I at the at the early stages and having some of those touchstones or milestones, I guess, to kind of work toward um, earlier on would have would have certainly been helpful. Now we also have a number of folks who write who've been in the network for 25, 30, 40 years, yes. and we still need folks to be engaged and excited and responsive um, when when there's calls to action. How do, how what any recommendations you'd make to some of our more seasoned professionals in community action to stay excited, to stay engaged, to, con to continue that growth? And, and help us help us build as a network. Yes, and, and and I think it's it's you know it's it's pretty common. We all go through through highs and lows uh, throughout life. Yep. But 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 similar to what a a relationship counselor may say, I would say to revisit your history and and harken back to that place where you fell in love with community action. I agree uh, with that. You know, rediscover that fire, that inspiration from those those early successes that, that built the passion and, and caused you to stay in the movement from the start. You know, one thing I've learned at the end of the day, even, you know, rising to the level of, of you know, agency director, it still is the best thing I see every day is the smiles on people's faces, um, you know, for those individual successes, those families that achieved a goal. And, and those things, you know, kind of reignite that fire in me. And I would share the same thing with those other EDs out there. Right. And I definitely agree about the history. And it's it's somewhat invigorating to go back and see where we've come from. And, and this year, like we've mentioned, 55 years, um, you know, what we've done over the last 55 years from where it started, from the Economic Opportunity Act to where we are today, to where we're going tomorrow, it really does help you, you know, get a little reminder of, of that path and how we can move forward together. Brian, thank you for coming on the show. And, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us about community action. And I just, you know, the impact report and and we're so excited to be able to release that today and, and kick off the, the podcast um, at the same time. Brian, what do you think the most impactful thing about this first uh, community action impact report will be? I think the stories themselves. I think the stories are great examples of the diversity of services that community action agencies provide, the need, the reach, and the impact sections of each topic area. I think they really help to define how extensive our work is and that our work that alleviates the symptoms of poverty in this country. So it really gives, gives a, a very clear explanation into what we do. So, Brian, thanks for uh, giving your perspective on how folks can be moving ahead um, as an individual and as a career path. In terms of the partnership as a national membership organization serving the needs of the network and working to fight the causes and conditions of poverty, where do you see the partnership headed over the next three to five years or so when you're looking at the long horizon? In today's age, five years is the long horizon. Um, where do you see the partnership kind of heading? Um, what are you hoping that the organization achieves and plans for the board and, and what you hope for the network? 
Yeah, and you're and you're right. And and you know, five years is a long time, especially in, in, in yep. community action life. Um, but you know, I really see us in a good place. Uh, you know, we've got a, a great springboard opportunity to to grow our advocacy that that I think will launch us into the national poverty conversation, as well as revitalizing the spirit of the movement that fueled us in the '60s. Um, I also see younger professionals becoming more engaged and becoming more of a force in our movement. It's an exciting time, isn't it? Wow. It really is. It really is. <laughs> and it can be hard every day. I know people are working so hard out in local agencies, working with families, and it's not an easy job. Um, there's a lot of stress, a lot of weight they're carrying in terms of um, the challenges they face every day. But it is an inspirational network that are that's just doing great work every day. So thank you for those inspiring words to move us forward. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today for this uh, first podcast. Um, we're great that you were able to participate and help us kick this off and, and talk about the network and talk about the impact report. So it's, uh, it's been wonderful. Well, thank you for having me. And I, I really look forward to, you know, how the network receives the podcast and, you know, all the other work that the partnership is doing and, you know, and, and just being able to continue to educate the network and our um, and our general public. I really am pleased. Well, we'd love to have you back on sometime. Would that be okay? <laughs> that would be great. We'll break in. <laughs> Thanks so much, Brian. Appreciate it. Thank you. The National Community Action Partnership recognizes the efforts that all of you are putting forth every day to make a difference in your local community. The Community Action Promise states, Community Action changes people's lives, embodies the spirit of hope, improves communities, and makes America a better place to live. We care about the entire community, and we are dedicated to helping people help themselves and each other. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and watch for our weekly episodes. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.